Grab your favorite caffeinated beverage and get cozy because you are listening to Mindful as a Mother with Paige Bruce and Lindsay Adams. Do you remember those toys from when we were kids where you would fit the different shaped pegs into the different shaped holes? Yeah. That's a lot like parenting, except when you have a neurodivergent child, using traditional parenting techniques is like trying to put the round peg in the star hole. That's exactly how I felt when I discovered that Sam was neurodivergent. I knew that traditional parenting techniques and even the approaches that I was taught in grad school, they didn't feel right in my soul to like supporting who he was as a human. And they also just weren't effective. And that's when I discovered the power of responsive parenting. Exactly. So if you are like us and are interested in tailoring responsive parenting techniques to your neurodivergent world, check out our Parenting Your Neurospicy video series. You can find it in our stand store at the link in the show notes. It is so hard to find social and emotional learning toys that will actually be engaging and fun for your child. And that's why we are so excited that we are partnering with Slumberkins. In our home, we're really struggling right now with the idea that I'm the worst kid ever. I'm a horrible sister anytime we make a mistake. And so we recently brought in the Yak, which is all about self-acceptance for kids. And it's made such a difference. When we're struggling, we can remember that our brain is lying to us and say Yak's affirmation, I am loved as I am. When things get tough, I go back to my heart. I know I am enough. Oh, I love this. I, it's hard for me to find kid uh, toys that are in, or stuffies that are engaging for my kids. And normally I take them to my office, but with the Slumberkins, I haven't even been able to get them to my office because my kids are so obsessed. So if you want to try Slumberkins, you can go to their website. We'll also put it in the show notes and use the code mindful as a mother for 15% off at checkout. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship, and the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Hey, it's Lindsay, and I'm here with Paige. It's Paige, and it's podcast weekend. And we're so excited. And this episode connects to a song that is now going to be stuck in my head all weekend. Yeah, that we aren't going to sing any more of or play because copyright infringement. Copyright. But involves the house. Our house. Yep, and the house is in the middle of the street. Okay, And podcast weekend happens to fall in spooky season and on a super moon. It's a full moon. It's a full super moon. That's what I was looking for. And it's super. Yeah. It's just super. That's it. That's it. It's super. (laughs) We're excited. We're here. We're having fun. And we're going to talk about boundaries. Yeah. And I feel like boundaries is such like a buzzword on the socials lately that people kind of inaccurately talk about what it is talk about the benefits of it they say oh you need boundaries but maybe they're using it in the wrong context so I'm super excited to talk about and about it and specifically how boundaries apply to people with ADHD brains yeah I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that I wanted to make sure that we talked about because we do cover so many like buzzwords on social media. Boundaries is one of them. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is. It's it's a hot, hot topic right now. So we're going to use a metaphor that um, Dr. Tamara Rossier uses in her book, Your Brain Is Not Broken. It's the book the whole season is based on. Go check it out. It is chapter 11. We're going to use the metaphor that she uses in the book to describe boundaries. And I love this metaphor. I've used it with clients before. And it really helps understand how boundaries show up for us and how we can take care of ourselves and our energy. Yeah. Okay. So let's give give us the metaphor, Paige. Okay. So she starts the metaphor by describing a house. And I want you to visualize a house however you would draw it in a picture when you were younger because we've all drawn houses right and it's like a therapy exercise <laughs> so if you've ever been in therapy with me you've probably drawn you've a house. probably drawn a house and a tree and a person yeah um so she talks about how the house is yours and it is only yours and it is the sacred place that nobody can come in without your explicit permission you have complete control over everything in the house and when she was talking about this metaphor I don't know about you, Lindsay, but I was visualizing what my house actually would look like, uh-huh. like the inside, not down to color or anything, but I had multiple rooms. Like, I remember I had multiple bedrooms and I had at least one living room. Well, what were, did your bedrooms have like tasks? Like, I feel like I need to know. Um, no, not yet. Okay. All right. But there's a lot of shit everywhere. Okay. One, what is, what is the shit like? So that is stuff we need to work through, our own experiences, our own hangups. Yes. So she talks about how you have boxes hidden in every room and it contains remnants of things. So like all the stuff you choose to put inside of your house are basically things that have impacted you or traumatic moments or maybe even pains or fears or, or even the good stuff, right? It's all inside of our house. And she combines this as like, our entire self and psyche. It's it's it embodies all of who we are. So your house was a hoarder house. Is that what you're telling me? Like a house on hoarders? Not not that bad, but it was <laughs> definitely was... disorganized. <laughs> okay, but when we talked about it before the mic came on, you referred to you referred to raccoons taking your trash. <laughs> that's that's how I'm going to market this episode because it really, really made me think about how she talks about how you are going to reorganize, you're going to redecorate, you're going to figure out what's functional for you in your space, like a feng shui, and you're going to do the same thing with your psyche. Like with boundaries, what are you holding on to? Is it serving you? Does it need to be moved somewhere else for a different task? And it just made me think of the raccoon that's like, on top of a whole pile of garbage and it has just the words it's like don't touch my garbage (laughs) (laughs) okay so we will be moving a raccoon's garbage is what this is going to feel like that's right and sometimes it does sometimes it does when it's garbage that you're going through yes but this is the place where you work on yourself and you need she says you need to do what you can to keep the house as clutter free as possible And some of the boxes are heavy and will need to be carried by a professional. And some of them can easily be maneuvered or changed or you can change the color of the walls. So she refers to doing the housework. What is doing the housework? Going to therapy. Uh, Like uh, being aware of your stuff. What else? Well, so that's basically it. Doing the housework is... It's like organizing mm-hmm. and cleaning, doing the laundry, right? Like housework. 
If I make kids paint on the wall, we're going to wash it off, which is one of the most annoying parts of children. But I like that she frames boundaries as vital for healthy living. And then she says this quote that says, there are limits that you create for yourself to reflect your needs and priorities. Yeah. And I like to think of this in a way as like kind of like a reparenting thing as well. So boundaries that are in there for yourself are like guidelines for you to follow that make you your happiest, healthiest self. Yeah. So boundaries help you monitor your own behavior and create a healthy structure for your life. And she mentions like not only eating French fries 24-7 or limiting the amount of coffee you drink in a day. Or so like those reparenting tasks, giving yourself a bedtime. She calls all of these ideas like that the ways you structure your life around your values, doing the housework. And for me, I feel like this has really shown up. And I was like, oh, I have different houses for different roles in my life. Like I was getting all kinds of like complicated with it. But professionally, I've been doing a lot of housework lately. So my professional Maybe I can call it an office. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Don't touch my garbage. Don't touch my garbage. Oh my god, the fact that I can call that an office is just next level for me. Okay, it's literal and punny. So I've been asking myself, like, what really resonates in my professional life, and that means not working past when my children would be getting home from school. And that's a boundary. And I don't I don't always know that other people would interpret that as a boundary. But for me, that's a boundary. Or it's a limit. It's it's prioritizing the things that feel important and living within my values in that area this time of my life. Well, and I think it's good to reflect on. So like the misconception of boundaries are they are things we set with other people and then we expect them to not cross our boundaries when boundaries are really you have to decide where your boundary is for yourself so you even set boundaries with yourself I do the same thing like I do not take appointments after a certain time and there are times where I have let my own boundaries slip and I am the one that suffers from it it's not my client's fault that I said I was available when on a boundary level I crossed my own boundary yes exactly so I think I've been doing a lot of housework in that way And I love that you mentioned that other people are not responsible for not crossing our boundaries. And we're going to get into that, I think, a little bit later more. But I think that that's another misconception in social media, that when you set a boundary and you communicate a boundary, or you have a boundary that maybe you haven't even communicated to anyone else in the whole world, you're expecting everyone in your life to abide by that boundary when that wasn't the intention of the boundary. The boundary is for you. Like my schedule is structured for me mm-hmm. and what works for my family. Mm-hmm. And it's your responsibility to move away figuratively and enforce the boundary. Like we can't make anyone respect our boundaries. And I think some boundaries do need to be expressed. But a lot of the time it's like I know what feels good for me and what doesn't feel good. And so like a boundary that I have with myself is if I am in places with like people where I don't feel included or wanted there, I'm not going to continue to attend. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. 
right? It's not their fault that I feel that way. But the boundary with myself is I'm only going to put myself in like social situations that feel energetically good to me. Yeah. Yes. Because you can't expect them to change exactly how everything that they're doing to make you feel the most included. Mm -hmm. It's just not realistic. I think part of me has a pull. It's like, well, that's the nice thing to do. That's what you should do. Right. But I think that's not realistic. I think that that's like my own people pleasing emotional boundaries stuff showing up. But that what is realistic is if you feel some way consistently in a situation, mm-hmm. then you have the option of removing yourself from that situation. Mm-hmm. And that is how you honor your boundary in, them, in that way. Mm-hmm. So these exactly. are really abstract kind of things. But other boundaries that you can look at or other items in your house are keeping a regular bedtime or wake-up time. Sticking to your budget. I suck at that one, guys. I'm like, that one really got me this month. Not having screens in your bedroom, limiting how late you work, not answering work emails and calls and things. And I think, I don't know if this is specific to our profession, but we're really taught to like have strong boundaries with that type of stuff. Yeah. Well, because it affects like the therapeutic relationship. Mm -hmm. But I've noticed when I have, uh, when I work with people that are in other professions, they do not have strong boundaries with that because it's not something that they're taught from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's something that they feel guilty for, especially because we live in, like, the Slack instant messaging. Like, people will be instant messaging them and then complaining that people are not respecting their boundaries when it's like, you're responding. Yeah, stop responding. Stop responding. Don't respond to emails and things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, I love this one. I have the best example of this. I was listening to a podcast a long time ago. I can't remember the name of it. Don't ever ask me. But if you feel like you heard this somewhere, you did. Um, And he was talking about how we um, train people to respect our boundaries, specifically our texting boundaries, because we live in an age where people think that we should be available 24 seven to Mm -hmm. respond to text messages and emails and things like that. And so when you're interacting with someone, you kind of set the tone from the beginning about what your boundaries are with texting. And I've tried to do this in my life and I've noticed that it has shifted, meaning less people complain about my response time. So I check my texts and my DMs and my comments. So you'll notice it's usually like the same three times a day, morning, noon, and night. And then I try to not, unless it's like urgent or something with my family in between. Mm. And so people get used to like, oh, she hasn't responded to me yet, but they know that I will. Mm -hmm. And so then they don't get upset about the boundary, but also I'm holding that boundary with myself because if I feel guilty or I feel like I need to respond right away, and I do, then I'm setting up the expectation that I will always be available or responsive when text isn't my thing. Yeah. I love that. It is unspoken. It's one of those unspoken boundaries where if you do what what resonates the best with you and your energy level, then that will become the pattern that they're accustomed to or people are. I know. I know. I can't remember. Zane was saying something to me the other day and he's like, what did Lindsay say? I was like, oh, nothing. I'm on red. Like, she'll get there. I was like, it's fine. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, like, that I love that about our relationship is that we're really good at, like, respecting that, especially because we run a business together. So, like, Mm -hmm. and the more business stuff we do, like, it's gotten more intense, like, the level of communication where it used to be we'd, like, 
chat here and there throughout the week. And now it's like we're talking some days, all day, every day, back and forth. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of know that like if she doesn't respond to me, she'll get back to me. Yeah, it will happen. Or it's like chaos time at her house. <laughs> did I respond to you or did I not respond? I can't remember. I think part of it, I even this morning I remember because we come to a podcast house in a really small place in Idaho. There's not really a lot of stores. So we figure out who's going to bring what. And um, I went to the store today and I ended up getting coffee and creamer, which if you look at our socials, we were like talking back and forth on who was going to get coffee and who was going to get creamer. Because we're kind of switch off. Yeah. <laughs> for the weekend. And I, ha- I had space in my day. So I was like, went to the grocery store. I was like, oh, I'm just going to get it now. So I don't have to stop later. And I ended up getting all of it. And I knew we were meeting later. So instead of texting her, I was just like, I'm just going to wait until we meet. Yeah. yeah. And catch you up. Yeah. And so having these like regular times or these relationships, I think it's so important to have those where you feel safe and supported in your boundaries and people understand or don't take the boundaries personally. And that's a two-way street, right? Because there are times when I think, and I've done this with other people, I take it personally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if their response is short with me or they don't, like I have, and that's the rejection sensitivity probably but like being about that being aware yeah 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 Yeah. and i think that that's super important to be aware of as a neurodivergent individual some of the other things she mentioned that i like was like not only buying what's on your list like not impulse buying at target or like these are all things i struggle with she's like doing laundry every friday so as i was thinking about doing the housework I was getting excited. Like I recognize things that I'm doing well and where in life I have actively been doing the housework, which right now is really in our professional life, defining mindful as a mother, defining my practice as a business, like outlining where I want it to go and what that needs to look like. But then in my home life, I don't like the word structure. I don't like structure as a neurodivergent person. Um, It is very hard. I think to expect myself, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but to do the same thing at the same time every day for me feels like I immediately push back against She's it. She's having a visceral reaction. I can tell she got anxious just talking about yeah. it. Yeah. And my body will like, What do you feel in your body right get, now like, just talking about having a Anxious. <laughs> anxious. And it like, I get hives, like big red splotches that rise from my chest, like up my neck. And I don't know why, but it's like, that's it. Maybe it's maybe it's a little PDA. Who knows? Yeah. But with that, I do have a flow of things that work. And I have eight people in my house. One, two, three, four, eight people in my house. And so I've communicated like what within that flow works well for me. And then if there's anything outside of that, then I was like, I don't do it. It doesn't get done. It'll get done when it gets done. But the idea, I was, I was like, wow, I have housework. That I've done yeah. for myself in my home within that flow that works for me. Yeah. Like my house, my metaphorical house, is never going to be like home edit. Yeah. It will never. Same. And my furniture will never match in my metaphorical house. The furniture doesn't match. Like the nightstand does not make sense with the bed frame or the dresser, which is fine. That's just the way it is. But I have done the things that are important. I think about like a stack of miscellaneous papers on my nightstand is all stuff that I know I need to get to, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter what it is, but that's what I need to get to. And so the flow in my life of like housework with my metaphorical house of my role as mother mm-hmm. and wife, like I do laundry on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays. Mm-hmm. 
I um, expect Zane to unload the dishwasher so I can load it every night. Mm-hmm. I um, am home with the kids and limit after school activities for low demand, high presence time. Mm-hmm. Like these are all like areas of housework that I've done because it feels best. And I think there's something unique in that because I am like our home management person mm-hmm. like um, because Zane and I work opposite shifts in our schedule. So I, he's there in the morning and the kids go to school and then I'm there with them all evening. And so I was, I, I do a lot of the house management. So it's not just my flow and my metaphorical house, but this housework that I'm doing is for the benefit of all the members within the metaphorical house. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking about that a lot. I love that. And then thinking about things that I would like maybe to, to do like housework that needs done. Like I, you're going to paint a bathroom. I mean, yes, but don't, don't tell anybody. <laughs> I'm actually painting my physical bathroom because it's winter and winter is for indoor projects. Yes. But um, my metaphorical housework, I'm like, I've really been staying up too late watching this new TV show. And sometimes I'm okay with that. But other times I'm not getting up early enough to go to the workout class that I love. And I know I feel good doing. Well, and I love this. I go through these phases too. And I think this is the perfect. So like the boundaries within your house aren't perfect. Just like the flow in your life isn't going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And so you can recognize when, and, and I do this, like if I've stayed up late or I'm not sleeping well enough, I'll be like, oh, okay, I need to get more back on track. I need to reprioritize. Just like when you notice like the floor needs to be mopped. Like, oh, I need to mop the floor. It's time to mop the floor. Those kind of like reminders that we need to get back on track with our guidelines or boundaries. And so they don't have to be like very super firm, especially if you are demand avoidant or structure gives you hives like Paige. But (laughs) it's good to know where the line is and like at what point do I need to like reset a little exactly just defining your values on what housework looks like which is why I like the term flow instead of structure mm-hmm. because maybe this week I was so, I had planned to mop the floors but life got busy mm-hmm. and so it's just going to get done next week instead and I'm going to shift and move things so they work better for what I need Right. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing. Like we have a kid right now that needs to be on the bus at 7 a.m., which is way too early in my mind. But a lot of kids do it. I was shook. I was like, this is so early. So I'm having to get up at 6 a.m. to wake myself up to make sure they get up on time. Right. Like the whole back timing thing. And there are mornings I wanted to go to the gym. So Zane and I had to do housework together, Mm -hmm. essentially, to decide what felt reasonable so there's two days school days when i don't go to the gym to go to that early morning class and i take those days to wake her up and be up early Mm -hmm. and he takes the other days so that way i can go to Mm -hmm. my early morning class and like that has been our housework but it it changes based on the needs and what makes most sense for where you are at which i think is really important to know with boundaries too once you establish a boundary they can change Yeah, and I think when we have boundaries in our life, and I don't know if it's in this book or if it's, I think maybe it's in something else that I was reading, but when we have boundaries in our life, when we have people who continually cross our boundaries, that is when boundaries need to be like firm and rigid with with those certain people. And I'm sure 
you're you're thinking there's someone in your life that just popped into your head when I said that they continually <laughs> cross boundaries like a per an image popped into your head right um the, those boundaries need to be more rigid but in healthy relationships boundaries are flexible because they're because you can have conversations about it and they can shift and change and move and there's more safety within that so keeping that in mind that when we're talking about boundaries like with housework and in a, um, a partnership and with parenting kids there there's more flexibility than so it's not just like Paige needs to work out four days a week so Zane's got to step it up and wake up early it's Paige saying like okay my boundary is I need to I know that for myself I need to get physical activity and I see Zane's needs in this for sleep so we're gonna like meet in the middle here with this yeah we're gonna compromise whereas if Zane was someone and he's absolutely not he's the best husband guys but if he was someone who like continually would push Paige's boundaries she maybe would need to be more firm with like no you're getting up every morning yeah and instead of taking one or two days where I offer that I would probably push back and be like nope this is your role every single day yeah and role shift often um so there are real physical things in setting boundaries right like I don't answer unknown numbers because my actual phone number is also the number that clients call or potential clients call. So if there's an unknown number, I send it to voicemail or most of the day my phone is on like, do not disturb. So it automatically goes to voicemail. So that way I can screen it and not accidentally answer a potential client call when I'm like in the thick of parenting at a soccer game or something, you know? So like there are real physical things, bedtime, staying in a budget, um, Eating nutritious food. Personally, I have to limit my caffeine intake because that's what I'll drink all day, every day. So I'm like consciously aware of where that lies for me. Can I add in another boundary you have with yourself? Yeah. She has to eat when she drinks coffee. Yeah. And I've seen what happens when this girl crosses her own boundary and drinks four iced coffees on an empty stomach and she's like cracked out and then she crashes (laughs) needs a nap and is not functioning the rest of the day so like that's a boundary you have set with yourself i have the same one like i have to eat um protein in breakfast yep you have to eat regularly yeah and that's for maintaining blood sugar because when your blood sugar spikes or crashes your neurodivergent symptoms tend to be more intense so. And also, um, ADHD moms listening to this, if you are medicated, you absolutely do not take your medication and drink coffee without eating breakfast. Yeah. It is a nightmare on your nervous system and you might not realize it in the moment, but like it is. Please eat something. So another boundary I have is I have to eat with my coffee for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like I can't just drink the coffee first for that reason because yeah. I take my med and then I it like – the whole day is just messed up if I do that. Yes, totally. So there are real physical ones, and there's some that I hope all of you guys can recognize that you're already doing well. And then there's housework that I hope you see is like, wow, I'd really like to sweep that. Like I want to, I get excited about sweeping that, getting back on track. And you'll know because your body will tell you what feels best for your body, mm-hmm. right, and for your life, like. Are you exhausted? Are you not getting enough sleep? Like, that's all information. So she does. Go ahead. Or is it that, like, your kids are in extracurriculars five nights a week. You never have time. You're never home. It Does the boundary need to shift to where, like, they do one activity a week? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and there's a lot of guilt around that too. I've experienced that myself because I limited... I just recently canceled one of my kids' extracurriculars because she, Rory, occasionally skips her afternoon nap after preschool and reaches this level of exhaustion where it's not productive. Like, she's continually having to push through that. And it's not good for me. It's not good for her. And then it's not great for bedtime anyways. So I felt bad. I feel bad that she's not getting that. And I know that she's getting what she needs. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting what I need because now I don't feel like I'm still working super late because of all the work put into being emotionally present for that. Mm -hmm. So there are real physical ones, right, for your physical needs. And then we have emotional housework. And I really like this metaphor. Do you want to define emotional housework? No. Okay. (laughs) Thought I'd provide an opportunity. (laughs) So sometimes our housework has more to do with setting emotional boundaries. And she gives this metaphor of, um, are your boxes filled with anger, hurt, shame? What does that look like for you? And gives a couple examples from clients that she's worked with. But I think one for me, quite honestly, is um, I build resentment. Mm. I recognize it collects in my house. Mm -hmm. Resentment will collect in my house. And when I start to feel resentment or I start getting really nitpicky or annoyed with the people that I love and like my support people, instead of being like, oh, they're so annoying. Now at this point, after doing this work, I reflect in and I look at, okay, what is causing this? Because I'm in some violation of an emotional boundary that I need Mm -hmm. at this point. Mm -hmm. I'm the same way. Like I've, uh, my whole life I've been told I'm, sensitive overly emotional and so i've learned to just like shove that shit down deep (laughs) it's like buried under the stairs in a box in my house and so it it, for me it's like emotions i haven't expressed i haven't worked through specifically like the harder things like anger and sadness and disappointment and resentment um and it, it does take like a lot of emotional work to unpack the box, but it is so nice when you do it. Yeah. And I don't think it was in this book, but recently this week I heard this phrase. Actually, I think I'm watching 1000 pound best friends and the therapist that provides the referral for bariatric surgery said this. And it was that when you are people pleasing, you are in violation of your own boundaries and you just shared something on your social media about this too so it's a theme guys yeah so well and people pleasing is a way of controlling so like keep that in mind you're violating your own boundaries and you're being controlling of people around you because you are not you're trying to control their reaction and their emotions so you're not Mm -hmm. giving them the space to have their actual emotional reaction to the truth of the situation but you're also keeping yourself from having deep connections because you're not that they're never really knowing the real you. Mm-hmm. Well, and when you're people-pleasing, you're consistently not maintaining your, your own boundaries or you're in violation of your own values yeah. because you aren't defining or being authentic to what you actually need. Mm-hmm. And so I think, in a way, people-pleasing really starts to fill our house with garbage. Yeah. Like hoarder stuff. We collect it. We don't need it. Maybe we have a billion of it already. We're never going to move it again. 
mm-hmm. unless we're with that one specific person, mm-hmm. potentially. So I've been thinking about that a lot. Uh, yeah, my house is full of people-pleasing shit. Like, for someone who, like, is doing a podcast on boundaries right now, I'm terrible at them. <laughs> and I – it's the rejection-sensitive piece where, like, yes. I – in my childhood, like, I struggle with difficult conversations because there's always the fear of, like, what they're going to think, if they're going to hate me afterwards, if my feelings are valid more. Like, am I overreacting to this situation? Yeah. Um, And so, for me, I've recognized that, like, it's – it's my it's been my way of keeping myself safe, right? Like to avoid the conflict to people please is is my way of having safety, but it um in my childhood and that's what protected me, but it's also kept me from having deeper connections in adulthood. And so I need to like take the risk to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. and have those conversations. Right? So then the boundary, what's the emotional boundary? How would you define it? Now? Mhm. That if something is consistently bothering me with someone or I constantly feel like there's a relationship or situation where I'm being taken advantage of or my my boundary is being crossed, like, I need to have a conversation about it. Okay. Like, it's not okay. It's not something I just need to get over. Yeah. It is something that you need to discuss. Yeah. And that's your emotional boundary yeah. with it. Yeah. yeah, I really like that because I think that's a common one. And I think this is a really good representation that we're all bad with boundaries. You and I in this room, but I, I think most people, quite honestly, we all struggle with emotional boundaries. And I like that you mentioned the rejection-sensitive dysphoria piece because I think that is especially prevalent, obviously, with mm-hmm. ADHD podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but really that belief that you're going to say something, right? You're going to honor your emotional boundaries so you're not filling your house with shit, but then you're going to create an irreparable rupture mm-hmm. in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to end up alone in your house and it's empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, I just need to let that sit for a second. And the, and the fear is real, right? Like, <clears throat> And I don't want to diminish that for other people. Like, I get that the fear is real because I also have it and experience it. And I found that in my adult life and in the people I've chosen to continue to have relationships with, because I'm more of a person like, I'll ghost you before I'll have a conversation with you about boundaries. Hmm. Like, I ghosted my own mom because I didn't want to have, like, the conversation. Yeah. Well, that's it. probably the hardest garbage to get rid of. Yeah. And so, for me, it's like, okay, the people that I've chosen to keep in my life, the boundary crossings are, one, nothing in comparison to that. Yeah. Two, nothing in comparison to what I went through as a kid. So when I'm having these conversations with people, like I have to remind myself that even though my nervous system thinks I'm going to physically die... That it's not, it's not that serious. Mm-hmm. It's not, we're not going to It's war. not that serious. Like it's, it's literally just like, and I do really good with Tim because Tim's my safe place, but with people outside of that, like it, it, it's not that big of a deal. And if those people don't like me or choose to not want to 
interact with me or have a strong emotional reaction to it, they're allowed to have that, but I still am allowed to like express myself and make that decision and vocalize it. And I've never had anything go horribly wrong. Like nothing in my mind when I've had to like set a boundary has compared to what has happened to me from my own mother. And so I just remind myself like, oh, I've lived through that. Nothing could be as bad as... Nothing's <laughs> as bad as... Nothing is as bad as your own mother treating you that way. Yeah. And I would venture to say that boundaries around our physical needs or the needs of people we love, right? Because my children, right? I'm creating boundaries around that. Feel much easier in, in our metaphorical house than emotional boundaries. So I'm going to say those are like the things we fill our house with. Like, oh, books and paper and dishes and like the fun stuff. And I'm going to say... That emotional boundaries are the heavier stuff. Mm-hmm. And emotional boundaries with the people you are closest to, it's like the heaviest furniture or doing like a kitchen remodel, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are the parts where I think I love the love, like hire movers, mm-hmm. like get somebody in your corner, right? Because we're going to work on remodeling this. Like you don't have to DIY your whole house by yourself. Hire somebody that knows what's going on mm-hmm. and that can give you some guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think emotional boundaries is is one of the hardest things that we work on and one of the hardest things to be honest and vulnerable even to ourselves about. Mm-hmm. Like saying it in your own head. You don't even have to say it out loud, guys, but like saying it in your own head. I know for me, that's what I struggle with. So I, I'm just going to say it's for everybody so I don't feel so alone. Yeah, it's for everybody. <laughs> it's for everybody. It's for everybody. So she uses a lot of visualizations, which I appreciate as a neurodivergent individual. But one of them specifically was that, like, when when we started to feel shame or self-doubt. Um, and this happens for me the week before my period starts. If you don't know, go back to the episode we did um, with that psychologist. Olivia. That love, Olivia. She specializes in this. But we talk about how before your period hormone shift, blah, 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 some of your symptoms can increase. Mm-hmm. I definitely fall into like high imposter syndrome area, mm-hmm. deep emotionality. And um, so when I start, <laughs> when I start like second guessing all of my therapeutic work or every interaction I'm having with clients or feedback I'm getting in this area, then I'm like, whoop, okay, so that's a ghost in my house. Right, it's a ghost. Your house is haunted. haunted. Spooky season. (laughs) It's a horror movie up in there. (laughs) I like to think of it as Casper, though, like a fun one, like where the ghosts are like playing. They're kind, (laughs) but that's really what it is, and it's like the whispering of ghosts in my house. And instead of giving into it and solidifying that idea, like internalizing it, I recognize it. I stop it as this like transparent ghostly figure that's trying to whisper to me like oh you don't know what you're doing you're a horrible therapist and i just be like you're welcome to leave now and then they float up at the house yeah and they leave the house we're actually visualizing them leave the house but like that's another emotional boundary so finding a way to define it and identify it and to support yourself moving through it because i think that would be a question for anyone listening to this episode because emotional boundaries are hard but identifying what that is in your house your metaphorical house, and then deciding how you want to visualize it leaving. Word. I love that. Ghost leaving the house. You can box it up and send it down a river. Yes. It can leave so, on clouds. Light it on fire. fire. And then yeah. be paid the insurance money. 
Nice. Or just a little, make it a little complicated. Love it. Messy. <laughs> messy. Let's get messy. Messy action here. So some other ways that I've noticed is if I'm feeling resentful, if I'm having a lot of self-doubt, negative self-talk, emotional boundaries are needed. I need to do some housework and wear. Also, because I know your human design, being frustrated or like resentful is a sign that you're out of alignment with your design, which means like exactly right. Mm -hmm. Like there's a boundary being crossed somewhere or you're not living in alignment, going back to values. Yeah. Because when we live in alignment with our values, because that's what, what this really is, is living in alignment with our true nature, our authentic selves and our values, then you know like frustration's the key for you. And if like you're a projector, it's bitterness. And I can't remember the other ones. Come to a human design class if you want to know the other ones. Google it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but for mine specifically, that's it. Is yeah. The resentfulness, the yeah. frustration. Yeah. So a couple examples from the book on ways you can clean your house with emotional boundaries would be not participating in gossip, like shit talking. There's nothing I love more than walking into a room full of middle-aged women that are talking shit and saying, is this where we empower each other? Or if this is where we talk shit about women, I got to leave. Like, that's my favorite. Another one is avoiding people who are hurtful, continually stress you out, where you're not feeling welcome. Yeah, and I, I want to talk too about like maybe this isn't even people who've done anything directly to you, but there's people in your life and in the world that are just, I call them like energy vampires. Like they're just hard to be around. They're And it is like always negative, always everything's worse for them. I know you have a picture of someone in your head right now. I definitely do. And it's okay to not be around them. That can be an emotional boundary. And like I have people where it's like, okay, I like did an experiment where I show up. I'm trying to be super vague. I I show up and I see how I feel. And and I know that there's a time limit to which I can manage that. And so that is my emotional boundary. Yeah. The limit that you're there. Yes. Or taking more time to yourself. Or Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other two she suggests suggests that I really like is not lying to get out of trouble. Mm-hmm. So like we're not telling white lies to avoid the emotional mm-hmm. like backlash of someone else, right? Because we're setting those boundaries for ourselves. We're not responsible for them. Mm-hmm. That's a really hard one to practice, mm-hmm. um, but it's a good one. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is taking responsibility for our actions instead of blaming others, which I try to use Zane as a scapegoat a lot. Like, oh, well, Zane's got a blah, 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 instead of just being honest about where I'm at and what I want. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really want to go do that. And then accepting whatever perception that they'll have of me after that, right? Rejection mm-hmm. sensitivity. Mm-hmm. So most importantly, give yourself compassion. Clean out one room at a time. Figure out how you want all these things to leave. But essentially, that is the house metaphor. That is only your house. We're going to come back in the next episode next week and we're going to talk about your yard and your fence so peace thanks for coming to mindful as a mother podcast if you'd like more of us and mindful as a mother you can find Paige at instagram at parenting with Paige and Lindsay at lynn's underscore adams lcsw Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and in our Facebook group, creating community and smashing parental stigma, embracing mindful motherhood and positive parenting. Thanks so much and see you next time.